For that, I say, oh, ah! yeah, hopefully you got that. Probably more electric experience than he can talk about. I rode up things that used to take me 45 minutes in three minutes because the bike was so good. A lot of people think that Chinese bikes are made by the renowned Chinese designer, Sum Ting Wong. They used to give me all the compliments that I used to give you when uh, when it, it was too hard. So. Oh, right. So, so you mean <laughs> their mom came up and talked to you and talked to you about how that you wrecked their whole career and that no sponsors are going to be coming back to your event uh, and, and, that, and that we could have damaged their child's uh, professional motorcycling career. It's, it's Tuesday night. It's much better places to be than watching some ding-dong on the internets rattle off about motorcycle, motorcycle-related products. So cheers. Mm-mm-mm. And I'm pushing the buttons here all by myself. Uh, the show is going to be perfect. Uh, no mistakes. Audio is going to be working. Somebody watched the intro and the note came up and it said, uh, this is the best part of the show because that's because I'm not on it. And we just got information that we are the absolute number one rated show about motorcycles, talking about answering your questions and all that. What I just said was a lie. <laughs> so hopefully the sound's actually working. Hopefully this show is uh, doing what it's supposed to do. And for that, I say, oh, ah! yeah, hopefully you got that. Hopefully that actually came through on the feed. I don't know because we're pushing all the buttons. Um, got an awesome show as always. Uh, Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, episode number 210. Uh, this is the show where we talk about motorcycle and motorcycle-related products. I am your host, Jimmy Lewis. The only reason that I'm here is because I can answer 9 out of 10 motorcycle and motorcycle product-related questions without referring to a reference manual. I give you good, solid, user-generated advice, kind of like most of the people on the uh, YouTubes and the social media platforms, but luckily... Um, this is my two hours where I'm doing my giving back. It's sort of like, it's sort of a little bit like penance. You know, I've had such a good dirt bike riding life. I want to share this with, uh, with everybody. So that's what we're going to do. I have some questions on the sheet. I'm going to go straight to the questions that are in the chats, uh, right at the top of the show, which really good. Nice to see, uh, Asher Lito in the, uh, in the chat. He's one of our uh, regulars out there. I believe I have a question from you that you commented on one of our shows. I will get to that a little bit later. But of course, this show would not be possible the, without the awesome help from a lot of our sponsors. Climb, who's uh, back in next year. That is if we do this show again next year. I'll get to that later. Um, because like I've said many times, I'm not that famous. My, uh, I don't have a nice rack and uh we don't give away enough shit on this show to get it to where it needs to go so we'll see how it goes uh but yeah climb yamaha of course yamaha motorcycles uh yamaha revs your heart and you can see that on the screen when it goes flashes uh, behind you makers of the awesome yz and wr and fx line and of course my favorite adventure bike the tenere 
Been doing some Tenere shock testing, which has been fun, uh, but I wish I could go ride more as opposed to go testing. We have help from Scott Sports, DDC. Of course, Taco Moto. They bring you the roost or endo segment, which is everybody's favorite part of the show, and that's probably why we don't do it anymore, because why would I just pander to my audience? I'm sorry. Uh, roost or endo, we're, it's coming back big. If it comes back, when it comes back, so it's come back in a big way that you can be proud of so that I can struggle and work harder. And uh, of course, uh, Fast Company, man, Cole really took care of some of our uh, clients for our riding schools the other day, which was super cool. Uh, Fast Company Flex Handlebars. If you don't have them on your motorcycle or mountain bike, you are missing out and you don't know why. And then when you get them, you will know why and then you'll thank me later. Of course, Trail Tech, maker of the Voyager Pro computers, the fans that we have on all our extreme enduro bikes, the little meters and gauges, um, hour meters, temperature gauges, all that kind of cool stuff. Check out Trail Tech. That's trailtech.net. And of course, our original sponsor, DDC uh, Chain Wheels, ddcracing.net. So uh, thanks everybody for joining. It's awesome to see all the people in the chat. And I, I think I'm going to be able to see that because there's there's I've got like a couple different windows up here since I'm uh, not sure. I've got these things that are popping up that are telling me to check the streams on my social medias. My encoder settings are all jacked up, but I'm gonna turn that off and claim that it's fixed. It's kind of like when you uh, just spray some polish on your motorcycle and pretend like you did the top end, or maybe maybe put a sticker on the suspension and think you fixed your suspension. So however that works for you, that works for you. If you're happy, I'm happy. So uh, a couple cool things coming up. Uh, the Kurt Caselli Ride Days this weekend. Of course, if you're not going to my awesome off-road riding school, oh, you didn't know I did an off-road awesome riding school. It's called Jimmy Lewis Off-Road, JLR Off-Road Training. We do eh, a few times a year. We do these two-day riding schools where we aim to make you a better rider. Of course, a lot of that's on you. You've got to practice the stuff that we teach. But uh, I have another announcement about that. I'm hopefully going to get uh, Justin Lineweaver on the horn a little bit later on in the show because he is the guy who took over King of the Motos for me. So after I got uh, retired from that position... I finished basically. It's kind of like a it was kind of like a, a race and I finished it. Well, that's I finished and then it took a little break and then Justin took it back over. They got a pretty neat event coming up. I'm gonna let him tell you all about that. And uh yeah, the five T's are a little late for the show, says Mark Daniels. <laughs> so uh yeah, Asherlito's dad loves his mountain bike flex bars. I got him. Great for the old man. Thank thanks, buddy. Uh, I'm praying for you there. <laughs> what are you doing? You've got to go to Bible study. It's, it's Tuesday night. It's much better places to be than watching some ding dong on the internets rattle off about motorcycle, motorcycle litter related products. So cheers. Mm -mm -mm. I've got a little bit of scratchy throat. I'm a little bit pissed off. Scratchy throat is from too much talking. But I didn't have to talk that much while I was on hold today for four hours trying to get a hold of the IRS because I have some tax things going on. And 
F me if I don't know how the hell those people, like I love United States. It's the best country in the world, no doubt about it. But I don't mind paying my taxes either. And, and, and I found out today, even though they're sending me bills back that tell me I owe them money, which I got two different bills for different amounts for the same account. And this is our government. They, they're sending me bills for money. And I know that I paid them. And I found out today when I finally, after the four hours on hold, and one time it was two hours, and then the phone system fritz, like I got a message that said, please hold. And then it goes, due to problems with our phone system, we're closing, you know, call back later. <laughs> I'm like, who has two hours to sit on the phone? I kind of didn't, but I did because I need to get this taken care of. So it's back on for two hours and <coughs> hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes, whatever the hell it was. Then a nice gal came on and she did help me out where I found out that, yes, not only have I paid, but I've overpaid and just someplace or another, some form didn't electronically get submitted and it's causing a problem inside of their system. And, and then this is after being on, on hold with an insurance company. This is for my business right school forever. And then finally getting through to somebody. And having them tell me that they can't handle my problem because it's after five o'clock back east, wherever their thing was. And they were at a call center someplace and they couldn't get to the person that had to have the information. It was like, I submitted it. I'm on the phone. It's not five o'clock where I'm at. In fact, where were you at five o'clock this morning when I was working my time? And I'm going to be working till seven, eight, nine, ten, midnight your time. Like, where are you? So, yeah. Okay. Let's get to those motorcycle questions. But uh, not after... Um, I tell you, this show, it's it's always going to be a nice show. It's it's a really nice show right when it ends. That's the when it's over is the best part of the show. I'll tell you that. So, I don't know if we'll make two hours tonight. I uh, don't know if we have those questions. Again, thanks to Yamaha, Takamoto, Scott Sports, Climb, DDC, Trail Tech, Fast Company, Bulletproof Designs, which I didn't mention earlier because I wanted to talk about these. Look at these. Radiator guards for my WR. They are going to be indestructible. That's right. Everybody needs a nice set of radiator guards. And I'll just tell you, if you're going to get really good ones like these that are they're billet, they're machined to fit the radiators, they are the way that you want them to be, get them before you do any crashing because then they, they're they not gonna hold your radiators together and they fit so good that they're hard to get on bent radiators. So just do yourself a favor. When you're buying a new bike, if you're buying a new bike, budget in a little bit of extra money to buy the protective stuff that's gonna save you stuff down the line. If you wanna get into my tips for buying a new bike, I just ask it in the chat. If you want to get into my tips for buying a used bike, I can answer those questions too. Because one of the things I did today in preparation for the show while I was on hold was I looked at, I asked YouTube the question, YouTube specifically, like what kind of motorcycle or dirt bike questions are people asking? It's all how to pass your DMV test, which scared the crap out of me. <laughs> like you're gonna learn, you're gonna learn how to pass your DMV test to ride a motorcycle on YouTube, um, and then you're gonna go ride a motorcycle on the street. That's okay. I've seen the way people teach. I didn't bother to uh, 
do that. So, uh, and then, uh, and then, uh, then the other questions were how to buy a used bike, which I think is a valid thing, but I managed to click on a couple of them and I watched the guy tell you. And if I listened to him and I bought a bike based on that, I can't tell you how many bikes I've walked away from taking that guy's advice. So I'm putting a, a video right now on YouTube, actually live where I'm going to tell you if you ask, how to buy a used bike. Um, but first of all, you can always buy a used bike from me. I have a lot of KTM RFSs for sale. And of course, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you can start there. No Husaberg's for sale. Although here is, here's a picture of, uh, you know, I don't like to talk about myself all that much, even though that's all I have to do on this show. There's a picture of me riding a Husaberg. That's a, yeah, it's a, that's gotta be a 92 or 93. Husaberg. That's when the, the cylinders actually came off the motors, I think. Or maybe maybe that's that's when the cases were all part of the motors. I don't it looks like the old plastic, but pretty cool. So uh yeah, I can uh we can do story hour, uh we can do all different kinds of things. But some of the other stuff that's in the news, uh Kirk Caselli Ride Day, uh that's December 2nd at the uh, Fox Raceway, Paula Raceway. Um, they are doing some fundraiser stuff. One of the really cool fun things they do out there is you can sign up to join a team. They may all be sold out by now, by now, but you can sign up to kind of join a team and do a team race with some pro riders, uh, which is really cool. There's actually a free learn how to ride school out there. So if you, well, it's free if you enter the event for kids and anybody that doesn't ride. So if you're in this industry or you are someone that Want somebody that you know that doesn't know how to ride to ride? This would be a great place to take them if you're in the you know Southern California area, or you can travel there. That'd be a really cool thing to do because I'll tell you from experience, because I do this all the time. You don't want to teach somebody that does not know how to ride motorcycles. Um, in the chat right now, uh, tell Justin to import Taddy on the Stark for King of the Motos. Um, and then Chris wants, uh, Chris real wants the negative uh, comments to start right now. Uh, <laughs> correct. Um, uh, I got to close that little note. A uh, Bible study got canceled. Okay. Asher Lito, I have a, I have a couple questions as a, as a, uh, guy who doesn't, um, talk much about religion. It's like, how can you cancel Bible study? You just can't it just seems like you would you would just gather there anyways so uh where did i get this shirt uh, dave um yeah this is uh this is a gift from ricky brabeck actually he uh he dropped this off and then utah desert racer who hates trevor says yo jimmy don't know what you want me to do with that comment <laughs> so uh and the IRS hired 10,000 people to do what? Well, I, the girl that I talked to was super informative, helped me as much as she could. Unlike the first actual person I talked to, I pushed buttons and it said, okay, you got to wait 17 minutes or 24 minutes. And I got there and I said, okay, I'm, I'm calling because I had got this notice. And I called the number on the notice and I did all the things that it said to do. And I got there and she goes, oh, I can't help you with that. I have to forward you over to somebody else. I'm like, well, how long do I wait for that? She goes, I have no idea. And then forwarded me off. So, and then it was 50, 
two minutes, something like that. Bullshit. Yeah. Anyways, good. Uh, anyways, I'm looking at hardcore dual sport 300 two stroke. Wait, hardcore dual sport says Dave Donnelly. Should I pay the extra cash for the 2024 KTM or get a cheaper 23 model? Uh, well, Dave, um, since in all honesty, <laughs> I don't know where your riding ability is at. Uh, since you're scared to come to my school, I'm going to go that it's not really high. I'm going to go medium. You won't know the difference that much. It won't make it won't make any difference in the outcome of your riding. I hate to just tell you the hard truth, but that's really the way. That's the really the way it is. Not enough people can make it to Bible study, so no Bible study. I should start doing that with this show. How can you? So how do you get people to not show up? Because that that might make it easier to not do this show. I think. Um, Utah Desert Racer said he owed the IRS for a while, and it sucks. I this, this so this is what we found out today. I don't owe them money. I actually have a surplus of money with them, but they're sending me bills because they don't know what to attach that money to. Because I don't know, my accountant retired, and and uh, things got messed up for a year or two. I it's um regular people problems, I guess. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, the government's going to get their money. They already got their money. They just don't know what to do with it. And they, they keep trying to get more from me is the amazing thing. So, um, yeah, there's where, uh, there's where we're at on that, on that particular thing. And road racer three RC says something, but here's, we're going, I got to figure out how I can scroll that thing up. Um, I know that Dave is from the Valley of the dirt people. That's why I'm giving him, giving him, uh, Give him a little crap. You can't post messages to some chat. Uh, Kyle McCoy wants to know, have I ridden the Stark yet? Or have your opinion on it? Um, I don't have an opinion on it because I've not uh, ridden it. So any updates on the Tenere 700 build? I'm interested to know how the big blocks are holding up. Well, if you watched the last vlog I did, I'm pretty sure I showed you what they looked like after 1,200 miles. So, uh, yeah, that's that's where that's where that is. Um, they're holding up great. I've been, I've been running those things on all different kinds of bikes, so uh, not too much of an issue. And I'm gonna have to keep looking off to the side here because I have to look at the chat over there. I can't see it back up on the uh, on the big screen. You said. Speaking of Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, here's the Tech Talk Taco. Tuesday shirt that you can't have because I haven't made the form for it. And that was a, that was a mic drop right there. Yeah, it's, I'm going to, I want to get them out before Christmas. So that means I need to do this like tomorrow. And luckily, yeah, I might actually have time to that. Uh, cool stuff going on. Uh, we're still testing our WR450. And our WR250 Yamahas, uh, we're working on better mapping. I'm actually still trying to get an exhaust for the WR, but uh, playing around with that. Um, playing with the counter shocks. I gave one to Trevor, see what he thinks. And then um, a lot of the uh, Scott pads. I think I talked about it like last week on the show. I'm pretty sure they're going to be selling those things here real soon. So 
Um, some really good, they have some good technical materials inside of some good fitting pads and I'm going on the durability on them. And I got to ride KTM 200s this weekend because why wouldn't you? So, okay, uh, getting into the questions. Hi, Jimmy. I'm six foot two and 230 pounds, beginner-ish rider on a KTM 890 Adventure R that has a rackless pack loaded for off-road camping with 80% off-road in Western deserts. I will never go two up, but all my extra chunk and gear puts me about 300, 325s on the bike. I know you talk about how important setting sag is on bikes. How about on big bikes? And thoughts on how do I tell if I need heavier springs while I'm riding? Okay. So when you talk about like, so for me, an adventure bike, I know this specifically right now because I've been doing it with the, with the Tenere. I've been testing some shocks for tour tech. And so I have the stock shock. I have a version one of a shock, which is a, and then I have a version two of shocks. They're two different kind of price point shocks. They're, they're, they're from two different companies, but accomplishing the same. They're just drop in bolt on shocks for the Tenere. And right away, because of my weight, which is 200 pounds without gear. And it kind of depends on the suspension guy, whether you tell them without gear or with gear. But anyways, we, I usually tell them without gear because I think everybody just kind of adds the, you know, the 15 pounds of gear you put on when you go riding and uh and then a lot of people cut it short but anyways so i think the tenere is designed for like a 180 pound rider and i guess that the ktm is <coughs> is also as well so you starting at 230 pounds and at 6.2 you're a little bit you're, you're you're kind of at that zone where you're probably going to need to be need to use springs but the adventure bikes are sort of designed to carry a little bit of gear maybe a second person so a lot of times you can spring preload it up and on adventure bikes specifically most of the time in the past i had to run the spring preload maxed out and what that what that did was it it brought it up to a ride height where it wasn't the spring wasn't topped out like there was still some free sag without me on the bike but it, it just brought it up and on the adventure bikes i don't go and start measuring the sag I do it all by feel, like how is the bike handling? How is the how is the weight on the front wheel and everything? But at, at 2.30, and, and especially when you're tall because you become more of a pendulum, you're probably going to have to go up on a rear spring, if not one spring rate, maybe two. And then if you go two, then I say you need to go up on the fork as well. All kind of part of just my very generalized talking to everybody, give you an answer scenario. So that being said, Setting the sag is, and it's easy to do because they have adjustable spring preload, is, you know, set it based on how it feels. If the bike feels like it's low in the rear, it's choppering, and don't go with bottoming out because once that spring starts moving, sure, having a little bit longer stroke can help the bottoming, but I've seen people that just are bottoming all the time and they just crank the spring preload all the way and they think that's going to fix it. And, it's, and at that point, it's like it's like damping, you know, it's like... At that point, you know, there's something, it's the, the damp, <laughs> damping forces that are causing a little bit more of a problem. So uh, at 6'2", you're, you know, you're same thing. You're just tall enough to where you're like a pendulum. You can move forward and back on the bike and really affect the suspension. And yeah, so springs kind of do that. And then if you start adding the extra stuff, 
This is where having the right spring and then being able to easily adjust the spring preload make a huge difference. So in my Tenere, when I have essentially what I'll call my 40 pounds of, of stuff in my bags on it, it significantly drops the rear end back down. But now I have a spring on it to where when I'm, when I'm unloaded, it's unscrewed and I just go in there and I turn the spring preload thing and I don't know how far. I just kind of did and I kind of know how many times to turn it and it goes up. And the reason I don't know is because I've been using these two different shocks and I've been going luggage on, luggage off to see what changes. And it's funny because on one shock, I don't change the clickers. On the other shock, I want to change the clickers. So I do spring preload and some clicker settings. So uh, just that's the that's the thing. And he has a bonus question. He says, this is uh, Robert, I believe. Richard, Richard, listening to episode 206 and Kush Drive, if you were camping off a of 500 with a recluse in Baja, would you make sure you had one with the potential longer slab sections? He's talking about the, the Kush Drive. Uh, with a recluse. So the recluse doesn't make any difference. Uh, it's... The, the, the clutch there, I, I don't think that recluse engineers any more like complete total grip into the clutch than stock. I don't know this for a fact, but so the clutch has, has a certain amount of slip in it. And then they also have dampers inside of the clutch basket as well. A cush drive is, you know, and you think about it, your tires made of rubber. Okay. <laughs> so so there's enough damping in the tire and the cush drive and the clutch, you know, the, the clutch dampers, in other words, to take the shock out of out of that. But what happens is if your if your clutch is pretty damn locked up and, and the you know you got a heavy load on it, the tire to transmission, you know, through the chain, that that's where they're trying to do, throw that extra bit of damping in. Do you need it? No. I've run thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands more miles on everything from Hondas to KTMs to whatever without a Cush Drive. And I have a couple Cush Drive hubs. And between running Cush Drive and non-Cush Drive, I've never seen any difference like in the oil or anything that would show me that it was that it was harder, harder on the bike. If I was using it as a pure street bike. I don't know, maybe, you know, because that engine is, that's not really what it's designed for. But running a few slab sections in Baja is not going to uh, cause you any worries. Just like running some pavement sections with a properly lubed and installed moose, you can go 70 miles an hour for a long time and you're not going to have any problems if you have the right moose, the right lube, and it was installed properly. So you just tell you heard, you heard it from me. And properly installed and is the is the is the thing there so okay i'm going to go back to the chat here because we've uh we've got to take these things uh there's places where dean and i don't want to say his last name because he's routing himself they don't pay taxes huh <laughs> i don't like i said i don't mind paying my taxes i don't like being overtaxed and i try not to pay too much but obviously i did pay too much I just don't want to get bills after I paid too much. So stop it. Uh, make that shirt on black. What? Or don't shower often, Victor? Easy with that. Uh, Victor evidently won the, uh, he has video of him winning the Barstow de Vegas dual sport ride. And I think last time I was on the show, we talked about people racing at dual sport rides and what I thought of them. 
Um, greetings to you, Tom Wolf. Don't know what that means, Alex Aguilar. Um, and then Chris was pretty happy that uh, we said lube. <laughs> Good on you, Chris. Thank you. Uh, we're talking about tires, lube and tires. It's just for, it's for your own protection. Okay, next question. Uh, and this is uh, Asher, believe it or not. I, I don't think I answered. Good thing, good thing Bible study got canceled. Thank the Lord. But Asher says, I'm flying home for Thanksgiving. There's a District 30 race, District 38 race happening in the Superstition Mountains. I have decided to enter the race on my dad's mostly stock DRZ400S. That's the street bike, by the way. I've been training on local trails in Idaho and at the MX track. Why did I get Texas in there? <laughs> Anyways, and I did four District 38 races last year. So as a rider, I'm prepared. It's a bike I'm worried about. And you should be. What should I adjust the bike to get it to ready to finish? Okay, so this is the point where I stop reading the question because I already know the answer. I don't have to say anything. What you need to adjust on the bike, you told me the bike. What you need to adjust on the bike is the rider on top of it. You have to adjust your speed to match the capabilities of the motorcycle. Because right now, if you told me you were riding a Vespa, the answer would be the same. Right now, if you were told me you were riding, let's see, and it was in Thanksgiving, so we obviously missed this. <laughs> so I got Thanksgiving in Texas confused. I don't know why. Um, it, it, we'll, we'll actually ask him because he's in the chat. Um, we'll figure out. We'll figure out how this worked out. Uh, if you're riding the best bike possible for that event, um, Superstition would be probably uh, a KX500 if you ask anybody on the internet. But yeah, so let's say you had a uh, you know a KTM 450 or a Yamaha YZFX 450, uh, if you had a Honda CR450X, whatever, that'd be the you know, maybe the best bike for that particular thing. You would <coughs> adjust your riding based on the bike. So anyways, I'll continue with this question now. So that's the answer. We'll see if I change now. The bike has fully adjustable closed cartridge skirts, but they're valve very soft from the factory. How should I adjust the clickers to deal with the big loops and high speed, big whoops and high speed of the desert? Generally, you stiffen it a little bit. The DRZ400 suspension is the same as the 1996 RM250 suspension with different valving, if that helps. Oh, I'm familiar. I've ridden both of those bikes. My current plan is to max out compression on the front and rear and increase rebound by two clicks each after I set the sag. Would adjusting the high-speed compression help, or should I leave it where the manual says? What else should I mess with? I'm 180 pounds, fully loaded. Asher. Um... Yeah, you you start you start getting to the end of the adjustment. So if you slam the compression adjustment shut, they usually stop kind of get to the point where they stop working when you're two to three three clicks from fully shut. And they don't really fully shut. That's just the end of the travel of the of the needle that's that's closing off or closing down the orifice. Sometimes they completely shut. And all it's doing is it's just it's just a, allowing less blow by. And it only usually works at low lower speeds. Then it kind of goes into the mid-speed valving and other stuff. On the shock, the high-speed compression can can literally lock up a shock, you know, to an extent when you hit something hard, and you don't want that to happen. 
And especially when you've already kind of forced more fluid through the high speed valving by closing off the low speed, you don't necessarily want to start closing down the high speed as well. Maybe you did this, maybe it worked out. I don't know where the end limits of that, that particular bike are, but high speed compression, think about it as ride height in motion. With the more high speed compression, the higher the rear of the bike tends to ride. This is just the way it is. It does you know, you can't feel it on damping, but you feel it more as, as active ride height control is what I like to call it. So hopefully that answered your question and you're one step uh, closer to not having your question answered in timely fashion. So you probably did what you did and hopefully it was successful. How did that race go? That's what we want to know. Answer that in the chat. The taco shirt is only that color or are you making them black as well? No, the, the taco shirt is going to be gray. Uh, the the Tech Talk Taco Tuesday shirt will be gray because I, I know from, because I'm a dirt biker, I spill food all over my chest and then and then uh, I wipe up against my motorcycle when I'm, you know, giving it love and, and then it gets dirty. So don't want to do that. And everything out here is dusty. So I don't want my white shirt to turn brown. I would li like to have it just stay Gray, the Tech Talk Taco Tuesday shirts that will be available for sale any moment now uh, before Christmas. We're going to do a Christmas drop, as we like to call it. We'll get that done. Next question. Uh-oh. Asher, I was the first on my line for a while until I landed in a ditch and slowed up after that. The suspension was super sketchy. Uh, I can understand this. Remember, that bike was designed for Billy Bob regular rider to ride to work uh, and home. And then every once in a while, go out and uh, take the shortcut uh, down the fire road and maybe hit a little section of single track trail, just like he did in the commercial for that bike. Because it's a dual sport bike. It's to do everything, road riding and dirt riding. Mm-mm-mm. And you may be asking tonight, especially Mark, what tequila am I having? Well, I'm not. I don't have I have I have the stuff I've been having for the last couple of weeks right there. But I in my show prep, I didn't get the right tequila out. <laughs> so save it for next time. Next question from Scott. Hey Jimmy, I wanted to get your opinion on the BMW HP2. I know you have a history race in the BMW Twins, so I thought it would be the perfect person to ask your opinion about using this as an adventure bike. I currently own a KTM 890 Adventure R, but I previously owned a 2018 BMW R1200GS. The GS was a great bike, but it was too heavy for me to handle off-road. That's why I ended up buying the KTM. I'm a big fan of the BMW Twins, and after reading some of the older articles on the HP2 and watching some racing footage from back then, I got interested in the possibility of picking one of these up. If you get a chance, I would really appreciate your honest opinion about these bikes, and it would be worth considering one of these in this day and age. Thank you, Scott. Um, <coughs> oh, thank you. Uh, Scott, uh, as someone who actually did some of the development on the BMW HP2. Best bike ever. <laughs> it's, uh, and I'm fully responsible for the fact that that bike comes stock with an air shock. That's right, you heard it right. An air shock in the rear. Um, there was five of us riding the bike and 
it was 2-2, and they asked me which one, and I said, there was no question, 100% air shock. It was, that thing gets such good traction. So I think the, the BMW HP2 was designed to be an aggressive kind of off-road adventure bike. It's not that great at carrying luggage, although it'll do just as good as any other thing. The motor is just as wonderful as that, you know, that that flat twin gets. They're just, they just putt right along. Um, I think by today's standards, um, the bike will feel heavy because everything, it feels light in the steering, but it, it is a heavy, it's a heavier motorcycle. And now with the, you know, the 890s and the, and the Tenere 700s and stuff like this, we've just kind of gotten to a point where there's a lot lighter um feeling adventure bikes so this is something to kind of uh kind of be aware of but if you like that engine character and that torque and it's definitely torquier and more friendly than <clears throat> your older gs because when they went to the when they kind of went to the to the newer design 1200 uh, i think they, they started calling them the water boxer that engine got kind of revy and it lost some of what i feel was the the best characters of of that particular bike. So, yeah, it's kind of a kind of kind of be aware of, of that. But um, it's it's a I think they're kind of collectors items at this point. But uh, yeah, BMW HP two at Jimmy approves. <laughs> okay, I'll adjust the volume on that and make it work better next time. <laughs> um, and then I, there was one other question I know I didn't get to last week. Uh, this is uh. We had a long show last week. I don't know how that happened, but let's see here. Uh, here, here we go. Oh, there's the there's the one page. Here we go. Lawrence, this is Lawrence Ketty three five three six. He's talking about our cove video. Not like this. I don't. I you know I don't like to do the political stuff, but uh, what's the thing? Um, hey Raymond. Says I had the KTM 950 and still have the Dirt Rider mag that you compared the HP2 and the 950 SE in. Oh yeah, that was a that was an interesting thing to do. I had to be really careful with that because uh, as I don't know if I actually came clean in that. I I explained that I had something to do with the development of that, or I, maybe I didn't let my opinion feed that heavy into the opinions of the two bikes. But uh, yeah, I could probably dig that article up someplace too. Okay, so Lawrence talking about the Cove says, let's get one thing straight first. There are no such thing as private companies in China. Everything is owned by the CCP. They put up a fa facade that they have some semblance of a free market, but it is just that, a facade. So I will be unsubscribing to your channel and boycotting any dealership that decides to prostitute themselves to China. I know I'm just one guy and you don't care. I don't care. Go ahead, double down and get John Cena to teach you how to beg and apologize in Mandarin as well. As for me, I'm gonna go practice my Mandarin while you shill for the CCP. How do you say go penetrate yourself with a hot iron? And while you're at it, feel free to consume a big bag of Richards. <laughs> Thank you, Lawrence Keedy 3563. We could we could not, this world would not be possible without people like you commenting on our videos. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I would like to, I mean, I know there's got to be people that are out there doing this. Like, I would like to see someone who is living a non, what do we call it? Like a non-international life in the dirt bike circle. Like you're just so pro-American, you're driving the Chevy or the Dodge. Oh, like those are assembled in Mexico. Um, well, it, what, actually we should probably just assimilate Mexico and Canada, I think. I mean, they kind of already, yeah. Anyways, don't want to get into that. Um, if somebody types to build the wall in the chat, then we're, we're, we're just going for it. But uh, David Potts says, not true on China. There are many private companies that are owned, foreign owned, USA, Taiwan, Russia, et cetera. The countries are foreign owned, right? <laughs> hey, but if you're riding dirt bikes, your parts are coming from <laughs> all over the place. And yeah, I get it. You may not like that country. You can try not to support them in certain things, but if that country is building something that you like right now, right now, say, I don't like any Chinese, Japanese stuff. Well, good. Take your ignition and your car and your, it was carburetor, your ignition and your fuel injection off of your motorcycle and try to replace it with something from someplace else. And the problem is, oh yeah, I'm going to go over to, to Italy and get a get ignition and I'm going to put a, uh, you know, some other kind of throttle body on there and all this other stuff. And like, well, where's that circuit board come from? Where, where is the, you know, look into where the actual parts that are assembled and wherever they're assembled, even by the American company, look where that stuff comes from. And that's just the nature of way, way it is. <clears throat> um, so good, good on you. I mean, you just got to be a little more open about certain, certain things and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like politics. <laughs> the Honda Odyssey, what? <laughs> the Honda Odyssey is the most American-made car. Uh, I thought he was talking about the Honda Odyssey, the the precursor to current day UTVs. Is when I when I read Honda Odyssey because I haven't seen that name for a long, a long, long time. Hey, if you are uh, wondering how to make your vision way better. Uh, Scott Goggles, my friend, um, I'm telling you right now that these are my uh, go-to goggles. Scott, been making goggles since forever, by the way. This is a special edition six days goggle. And if you saw the six days, you know the guys that were hauling ass and seeing everything were probably wearing Scott goggles. They used to make a goggle called the Dust Goggle. And uh, it was one we actually got for Dakar where they actually used uh, thicker foam and and they have some of these things if you go to their website and check out all the different offerings they have in goggles with the different lenses the different foams the different fits and different price points as a matter of fact but talking about a company that's really been um good with the goggles uh scott goggles check them out i do all the time uh it's kind of we're getting into like I, it's funny because in the summer i'm big on the amplified lens and now we, I've noticed I've switched over back to the light transitioning lens because it gets dark and light so early and late. And uh, and then now we have clouds coming in and not full sun and different stuff. And if you want to have the best vision, get a uh, light sensitive lens and uh, in your Scott goggles and you'll be in really good shape. Uh, Victor says the Chinese massage parlors are great, though. <laughs> of course they are. Um, that's That's because you're paying somebody here i don't do, do they send all their money back across the border victor how does that work with the chinese do they put it in little boats and float it across i'm not sure 
All these comments are being sent from devices were built where? <laughs> Thank you. Without China, you could not have Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Brought to you by Jimmy, who's pissed off at the IRS because they can't figure out how to get a phone system running. Actually, the whole phone system is probably built in China, too, come to think of it. And uh, without China, I couldn't pay my taxes. Oh, we're going down a rabbit hole now, boys. <laughs> kites. <laughs> they use kites. Um, okay. Um, Victor says, do you think Yamaha Europe will bring the Fanuc 300 to America? Seems to be a very advanced dirt bike. So, Victor, if you watched our last episode where I did the, uh, I, I pointed the hard questions at Mike Ulrich, who's basically their media guy, and he knows more than he lets on to, I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, I, I don't think uh, we're going to see any Fanics over here. I, we never have. Uh, we had trials bikes a long, long time ago, but I think those are super gray market imported. And uh, yeah, so who knows uh, Who knows how those things will work out? I'm going to get to the questions we received on a lot of our stuff last time, but not without the help of uh, Bulletproof Designs. It's bringing you the, <laughs> the radiator guard that I wish... I wish this was on my on my WR right now. Just doing my sponsor good today. I'm gonna to put the radiator guard right here on the chair, right in front of the Tech Talk Taco Tuesday shirt that you can't get. Oh yeah, also brought to you by my riding school. We have openings this weekend. If you wanna become a better rider, on Monday you will know how little you know about what you thought was the right way to ride. You'll your Your head will literally be exploding. We have a class on Monday and I'm going to call, I'm going to give Justin a call like right after the ad break, which is coming up pretty darn quick. So uh, I'm going to text him in, in a, in a mere moment or two uh, and get to the question. So TWD stroke says the technical difficulties are part of the charm. And what he is talking about is this show because it's hard to get it's hard to get this show off the ground but I think I did it with no technical technical difficulties even though that computer over there was doing some hiccups uh, thank you we're, we're working on this um, and if you're if you're listening to this like in the podcast format and you want to ask a question uh, it's real easy just uh, find one of the videos on uh, the Facebooks or the YouTubes and make a uh, make a comment. Melissa Ward 2720 says, it might just be me, but I've never been riding a dirt bike and thought, you know, what this could use is traction control. <laughs> I believe that that was on our KX450 video. And I'm right there with you, uh, Melissa Ward. Um, I... But I watch a lot of people ride and they can use traction control. They really, really can because they either they're 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 just not sensitive enough to feel it and they're usually causing themselves problems because of it. I, I would like to see um, more people that we train at some of our schools have the ability to have traction control on their dirt bikes, not so much on the adventure bikes, because generally by the time that they get to the place where the, 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 the problem's going to happen, all the traction and the control in the world isn't going to work. They've already lost their balance. So uh, traction was gone a long time ago, but uh, 
uh, I would I would like to see it on some of the dirt bikes, the lighter dirt bikes, where maybe actually cutting the the spinning and the spinning kind of getting inconsistent traction, knocking them in and out of balance uh, might uh, help help fix that. It would be interesting. So a lot of people think that Chinese bikes are made by the renowned Chinese designer Sum Ting Wong. <laughs> <laughs> Victor, I'm giving you credit for that one. That was that was a gave me a little bit of laugh. <laughs> um, Seth five oh five Seth says, absolutely, it corners great and has awesome torque off the bottom. So the question to you guys is, what video was Victor or <laughs> what video was Seth fifty Seth cons? commenting on because you could comment on that about like any most any bike any modern bike but uh okay rider 65 says denying counter steering face green smiling you bunch of hacks uh he's actually talking about a comment johnny campbell had made on this show and so I had to go see what Rider 65 was into because, you know, sometimes their channel tells a little bit about them. So I, I do a little do a little searching. Um, he's a he's a balanced trials rider guy. And uh, he was like riding uh, his videos are like he had he had 37 views of his video of him riding a, a mountain bike on a brick wall. Um, so I don't. Know what? We're, I don't think we're denying counter steering. I don't know what was uh, what was going on there, but uh, if, if he was, if he rider sixty five feels, feel free to comment. Um, and then Prairie Dog eight seven nine says, "Make XR four hundreds great again, Jimmy." No, no, I'm I'm over the XR four hundred. And uh, Jeff Lemmy says, uh, "I love JL." Well, the, Thanks. I don't know how to take that. My wrist, thank you too, sir. As I've owned Flex Bars for years, you recommended. Keep up the good content. Uh, F China. And by the way, Flex Bars 100% made in America. The whole China rant was 100% uh, brought to you by Fast Company Flex Bars. Everything they make is made here in the United States. They're proud of it. They logo it on the stuff. I know it. I've seen. I've been to. The, I've been to the Flex Factory in Bountiful, Utah. I don't think they let anything Chinese into Utah, because I've I've been there before. Like, I know. I know things. Uh, Dow, you dick, says might be in the video, but I missed it. What seat are you running? Okay, here's another comment that could be an any video it might be in the video okay we took the time to make a video and talk about the bike and you evidently watched it enough to comment on it and then you go back and say it might be in the video but <laughs> what seat are you running i don't i don't know I told you I talk about this and I just did. So I hope you waited this long to find out that you're going to have to watch that video again. It'll help. It'll, it'll, it'll help your thought process along. 
and uh, to a Free Ranger CT110. <laughs> CT110, I remember those bikes. I don't know if I'd actually claim that in my name, but anyways, keenly anticipating the 2024 Dakar with my, my, uh, my, some guy signed up to ride in the Cove. Top 10 finish, perhaps. I doubt it. Don't Not familiar. Not familiar at all. Uh, three days ago. <laughs> that dude in the red is a giant, says Bryce3832. Yeah, it's Brent Farrell. He's one of our long and tall, we call him stretch, test riders. So, on that note, I think it's time to take a commercial break. Oh, because ah! everybody likes commercial breaks. And uh, we'll come back with a couple more questions. And Justin Lionel Weaver on the line to talk about King of the Motos and some cool things. The defending champion, the all new Yamaha YZ450F. What's up, Moto Buddies? Mike here from Taco Moto Co. What is the Taco Touch? It's the best service in the industry. Virtually 24-7 tech support via email or text. And it's like having a dirt bike doctor on call every day of the year, helping you fix your bike or recommend parts or setups for you. If you've ever received an order from us, you know that the Taco Touch extends to our fulfillment and our orders come with the coolest stickers that you've ever had uh, buying parts from anybody before and a handful of root beer barrel candies. Um, all of our Taco Moto Co branded components come with a no questions asked lifetime warranty. And we'll even extend out the warranty of other manufacturers, OEM and aftermarket parts where we can sometimes for life. We test and tune endlessly and exhaustively and obsessively. We're trying to destroy everything that we can before you get your hands on it to look for weaknesses and to improve it or to make recommendations to the manufacturer. And if it's something that doesn't uh, meet grade, then we don't offer it on the store. Everything that we carry is something that we have personally used, tested and ridden and raced and nose meets uh, the high taco touch demanding standard. Go out and get some adventure.
are back. Tech Talk Taco Tuesday, show number 210. On the phone with me now is Justin Lineweaver. Uh, welcome to the show, Justin. Great. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on. You there? Hopefully everybody can hear you. Hopefully sound levels are, are good. If it is, then just, uh, if it isn't, then uh, let me know and we can try to fix some of this stuff up. But uh, I have, well, Justin, first of all, thanks for keeping the king of the motos alive. Cause that was when I, um, that was the, 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 the race that I wanted to race. I mean, I, I built the race I wanted to race cause I loved extreme enduro. I liked having something with navigation ish challenges. The, the stage was set. It's burning man for a gearhead that's out there. It's, it's really cool. And, uh, we kind of, I kind of got done with it. And then uh, a few years later, and Justin had helped me a few times. Um, actually, you raced the very first one, correct? I raced the second one. Second. The very first one was uh, invite only, and I just went out and, and watched and, and knew I had to come back and race after that. Oh, had we seen a kid riding around a KX500 that said he wanted to do it, we would have signed you up. <laughs> you know this, yeah. right? Because you did it on a KX500 the first year, correct? Yep, I did. I made it about 11 miles and couldn't kickstart it anymore. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you, you would have been, you would have been instantly qualified in my book, but anyway, so, so you, you definitely wrote it a few times, uh, then started helping me out. I know you were injured for a few of the years and then came out and started, uh, when I was going around poking around, trying to find better and better, or by most people's standards, worse and worse trails. Um, you'd help me. And then somehow you connected with Dave to bring the race back. Yeah, definitely. I, it, if you uh, hear Dave's side of the story, I just kept uh, poking him and prod him and, and begging to, uh, to bring it back. And we're excited to build on the platform that, uh, that you started. And it's just been great. We we're on my year four now, and we've got our own weekends that, uh, is going to build up our rider count and spectators and, and the course is difficult and it's just going to be a lot of fun this year. Yeah. I was, I was really worried last year when I heard it was kind of like the opening event, like beforehand. And I mean, I was worried because like what made that thing was having the kind of prepackaged spectators that are there already. And I'd been out there when they're setting up hammer town and, and you know, it's kind of a ghost town until the first car race in reality. There's just really just the teams, but then now it's, it's grown so much like the week before people are out there kind of lobbying for parking spaces and, and trying to get in there. And I mean, we always knew that everybody loved watching the motorcycles and now there's a lot of people that come early to see the dirt bikes. Yeah. It's kind of incorporated into, you know, bringing out your trailer the weekend early and, being able to go through the gate when it's uh, not slammed ready for a car race. So the lines are a little bit shorter. And then plus you get to see, you know, the best guys in the world riding some really extreme stuff and putting on a show and, and, you know, sitting in Hammertown, we still have the Jumbotron up so we can uh, watch all the racing there or go out to the spectator areas. So, and and then this, this it's, thing, uh, and it's definitely was, growing. It's and, pretty cool. And that was something that I didn't, I didn't realize how much, was available 
was that just the media team and the media presence that he has out there, the, all the different back then it wasn't live cameras, but man, do they put cameras out on the course and you really got to see, I mean, this is before like now when everybody had a phone in their pocket, they could transmit live or these guys were out there shooting really good quality footage, you know, slow, you know, high speed cameras and, and, you know, putting back then, it, like I said, GoPros were sort of new ish, you know, good ones, you know, putting cameras in all the right locations to get to catch the action. And then they would come back. And I mean, literally we're done with the, the, the race and they've got a bangers clip of just all the, you know, all the action. Cause they really shot the start and spent some time editing the start. And they made that race look so cool. And, and I think that's really what helped it. And now, now they're broadcasting it live with drones flying around, getting you places you would never be able to see. Um, you know, they've got camera locations with satellite or not satellite, but microwave links and the, the scope that, 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 the king of the hammers goes to to broadcast that is is amazing and the riders get really really good coverage yeah we've got really good feedback from the riders you know typical hard enduro is uh you know like my dad used to say it's not much fun to go watch because you watch them leave the start and then you wait for an hour or so and <laughs> maybe catch them one spot but now you know the hammer crew has really uh up the level of exposure for these guys to, you know, their family gets to watch, watch them a lot more. And, you know, the top guys are pretty much covered by drones and helicopters and camera guys that you wonder how they got there. And they get dropped out of a helicopter. It's unreal. (laughs) Or they, or they, or they they hike a long ways. I know, I know these guys, I get to work with them on different times and they're, they're, they're some of the best filmers in the world and they, they don't like it easy. They like, they like their job to be difficult. (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, but anyways uh something cool you got coming up here you have a kind of a a pre king of the motos event to get people tuned up yeah so we were sitting around uh a couple weeks ago and king of the hammers actually has like a rookie program where they bring out their new drivers and kind of go over the what's what to racing king of the hammers and i said you know why don't we do this for the bikes but not only the rookies, because, um, you know, it's it's not often it'll be your very first race to come race King of the Motos. Uh, well, it does happen. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, we threw a weekend together, uh, December 16th and 17th. And we're going to be doing classes on GPSs and kind of bike setup and a little bit of uh, body preparation and, and uh for some people, some mental preparation. <laughs> um, and then uh, I'm talking to you and now we've got a, uh, we've got you coming out to help with the GPS classes and, and teach guys your magic on, on reading a GPS. And then we're no, going to have you out that's for not, the that's uh, not magic. That's science. Actually, it's not science. It's, <laughs> just, science. it's just, it's, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it, it's, it's just a real easy kind of, it's just if then relationship with the instruments, you know, understand how they work, you know, be aware of where they do and don't work and then tell people how to use them. And, and there's a, it's, it's not that difficult. I think for most people, the problem occurs when, you know, they push the button that makes it turn on. And then the problem, (laughs) then the problem starts. It's like, well, how, how does it know where to go? You know, it's like, Oh, you have to load a track into it. Oh, okay. Well then what do I do? (laughs) 
So, yeah. Yeah. The worst thing I hear on race morning is, uh, well, I put this on my bike last night and, um, yeah. How do you turn it on? <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get rid of that. Hopefully <laughs> I'm going to go depend on this thing for the next six hours to tell me where to go. And, uh, and then, uh, but I just put it on. I've never used it before. No, that's, a, that's, I, I, we, cause I used to do a video or two before leading up to King of the Motos. I used to put a video out, tell people kind of like, Hey, here's, here's my setup and here's how I use it. And kind of went through, kind of went through the steps and, and sure enough, you know, you'd, you'd see the video and it'd get like, it'd get like 300 views or something like that. None of, <laughs> none of them were anybody in the race. I'm like, did you look at the video? <laughs> oh no, dude, I didn't have time. I'm like, how'd you get here? Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, typical racers, but uh, yeah, always looking for little self promotion. I volunteered to, uh, well, of course, for a fee for the for the entrance is to is to uh, do a, a riding school class that will tell you how to uh, make yourself more prepared to be able to finish or at least you know get farther along the course. So, um, I'll be doing a, I'll be doing a class out there as well. So, uh, again, shameless self promotion, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate it. We're excited to have you, uh, have you out there and part of it. And, um, like I said, December 16th, 17th registration is open to absolutely anybody. If you're racing, if you're not, if you're thinking about it, if you want to just come hang out, see what we're doing. You just have to register. The links are on the uh, King of the Motos Facebook page, or you can follow me on Instagram at you know KOM Justin. And uh, any questions anybody has, they can they can reach me there. We're doing uh, one one meal Saturday night for everybody. We're just going to hang out at the King of the Hammers Ranch and enjoy the two wheel fellowship and learn some stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it is kind of a cool thing because there are a lot of like, like subgroups that sort of formed where guys were going out and, you know, trail riding, they were taking out track, track logs from the old courses and, uh, you know, doing, doing, uh, you know, doing kind of their own training events. And there was, you know, different, you know, different groups doing this. So it's kind of cool that it's sort of more of an official thing. So you, you know, you're going to get to, from the guys that are putting it on, you're going to learn here's how it works. So you don't show up at the race and have to learn here how here's how it works. You're going to show up at the race and you know hopefully mostly be ready to go. Yeah, and we'll go out Saturday and Sunday and and do some riding in the hammers and it'll kind of guide guys on what to train on and where to train. And then uh, you know with your class being in there, we can definitely learn some new skills and. And yeah. uh, I'm probably going to be leading a ride during the same time as your class. So otherwise I'd be sitting there taking it and, and learning how to get up, uh, you know, sledgehammer just a little bit faster. <laughs> I don't know about faster. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how to get it, get it up, get up there with it, with using less energy and being more confident on, you know, whether or not you're going to make it. I, I've in all the, I mean, I've, I've ridden every, every mile of the, you know, of all the courses that I put on and I rode most of the miles of the courses you put on. I think there's one or two spots that I've seen in videos. I'm like, I don't know if I've been there, but I, I, I know how to get my ass through this stuff. And I can kind of tell you, you know, I can, I can explain what the problems are because it's not what you think. And this is the thing we learned about riding. It's not, it's not this advanced technique that you're missing out on. It's really more of, of, you know, you kind of missing on some of the basics that you kind of threw out the window and I'll just say it balance and traction. 
<laughs> you know, balance and traction are the two main things that people throw out the window and they just go, I'm just going to send it. And it's like, well, you can't even get, you can't even get enough momentum at where you're at to send it just yet. And uh, you see how that works. It tends to hurt body and bike. I always, I always <laughs> like to point out, you know, a lot of these guys, I see these guys, show, you know, they're, 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 you're kind of, you're kind of a, uh, call them just regular Joe core extreme enduro riders. And they're into this and they, they do this, this sport uh, quite a bit. You look at their bikes and it looks like they just took a hammer to it and just randomly went around hammer and like an abrasive grinder, like with a really gnarly <laughs> abrasive on it and just hit the bike at almost all corners and edges and along some really good sides. And you're just going like, how did you, how did that happen? Cause I look at my bikes that, that have been through, I had this one KTM 200. I still had it. I rode it this weekend. It looks like, it looks better than 80% of the bikes that show up for, you know, privateer bikes, not the guys, not the factory guys that get new, new stuff all the time. It looks better than 80% of the guys that are on that line and it's been through every course. And I tell you, some of that stuff was not rideable when I went through there. I had to, I won't say drag the bike, but we drug the bike, <laughs> you know, we, it, it wasn't yeah. pretty, but I just don't think I, I'm, I'm just envisioning like, I don't think I did like crashes. I had places where I sort of lost it a little bit and was able to set the bike into the hill or, or I was able to kind of push it over the top, not send it over the top or have it come tumbling down back on me. And I, I would like to tell people how to get to that level where, cause it's not so much about the bike and I don't care about the bike, but it's like, I don't want people to get hurt when they're doing this stuff. Yeah. And I mean, just, I, I learned so much in the years uh, where I, you know, I had the opportunity to follow you while you were making course. And uh, that's really what jumpstarted my hard enduro lifestyle now that I get to ride is just being able to follow you and, and learn how to conserve energy. And, you know, like you said, the traction thing, I, I learned how to get traction better following you than anything I've ever done. Yeah. So, and the, and now, and now with the sticky tires, you guys get to use and all the, I mean, I was back, that was back. <laughs> you remember I was running trials tires. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, and everybody's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, cause, cause where I want to go, this thing actually works. And, and it didn't work in certain, I mean, they, they, they're horrible when you get on the brakes and you start sliding, it just, they just don't work. And then, and so there's lots of different, you know, things and, I mean, I that's I credit the trials tire for one of the years that I finished Erzberg. Um, you know, I had a trials tire on when I went through the forest and I rode past probably 150 guys that were all stuck <laughs> and spinning on logs. And there was no way I would have been able to do it on a knobby. But I just started riding my bike like a trials bike as far as, you know, making it stick to stuff where an ordinary tire just didn't have the, the, the surface or the grip to. And then, you know, now now with mooses and all the different things. Hey, Justin, we're getting a little bit of feedback. It's not coming through on some device that you have playing there, is it? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. I'm just sitting in a quiet room with a computer off to the side. Okay, yeah. I can all of a sudden I can hear an echo. I don't know if it goes on the live stream or not, but I'm getting it. Anyhow, uh Okay. So so uh the, the explain a little bit to so people that aren't familiar. So King of the Motors is what we call an extreme enduro. That means it's uh, a race that's you know you know, Justin, I don't know if you know this but you want to have one finisher. 
<laughs> well, if you remember my first year, uh, I didn't have any finishers. So I definitely went a little too far in that's, that direction. That's the easiest thing to do. And then you can still call it an extreme yeah. enduro. It was just, it should have been called a two extreme enduro. Cause no, no, no <laughs> finishers is like, that's like kind of the worst thing that you can, that you can do. And I mean, Dave, and I don't know, Dave probably didn't, didn't know he had to tell you this, but had he probably told you afterwards, you have to have people come across the finish line. Yeah, I definitely got the, you know, the lesson there. And then uh, the next year, um, you know, it was uh, a little too easy uh, just because of scheduling and stuff and, and course changes and all that stuff. But all the, um, was it, that you was know, we the, had a lot was, of amateurs finish. That was the, was that the year I did it or I do, did I do it the year? that you only had that you didn't have any finishers. I think you did it the first year I took over. So it was the okay. year I didn't have any right. finishers. Yeah. Cause, cause yeah. <laughs> I remember this now. <laughs> well, I only, I, so, so I did one loop and one checkpoint is how far. And it was total of three. There should have been three loops. So that's when you kind of adopted the bronze, silver, gold format. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just remember when I got the, <laughs> when I got the, uh, the, uh, course files, which was on accident, you know, again, you know, it was, it was, I got, and I saw, I, I saw where the, the course went and I was like, wait, that's on the, the bronze loop. And I know, and I know from experience, I knew how long it took to, to ride these certain sections. And I'm like, I'm not going to finish the first loop. I go, I don't, there's not enough time in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was already, I, my whole game plan changed. It was like, I'm not even going to finish. I don't even care, you know, but I, I, this is the first time I ever wrote a, a fuel injected 300 and I rode up things that literally, and I had a good tire, a gummier tire. I rode up things that used to take me 45 minutes in three minutes. Cause the bike was so good just got it got traction the tire i was running a kenda equilibrium by the way um with a with a with a i know a, a really soft nitro mousse so i had you know I, I i knew my setups man i just i rode right up stuff and i was like hey i'm gonna i might i might finish this damn loop <laughs> which i did <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had to take like one little kind of break for cramps in the middle of it because i pushed a little bit too hard but uh yeah and but I, I thank you because I got to ride the race that I, you know, kind of wanted to ride. I, it was like it was like a cool, you know, cool format. And I like the navigation, although some people hate me for that, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's about 50 50 on the navigation now, but uh, it's still a navigation race. And this year we're doing uh, we're skipping the prologue. Uh, so we're just going to have a two lap race on Saturday. And then a three lap race, you know, where it gets progressively harder uh, on Sunday. So it uh, it should be a good time. What I'm trying to do is at least make the top five guys break a sweat on Sunday. So <laughs> that's my goal. It's getting so hard with uh, the level that they've gone to. You know, the guys that are training for this and they're getting really good. A, equipment's getting better. B, now they know how to train and they come out and practice in the areas. And, you know, it's it's not that hard to go find you know, most of the trails that you'll use, you know, so, but the good thing is that the, the cars and trucks from going out there practice will completely change some of the, you know, the known canyons, but uh, hopefully you got a few surprises mixed in for everybody. Yeah, I can say uh, my first loop is about 
70% new trail that I've never raced and never seen raced. Awesome. And then um, the second loop has got, you know, some stuff we've seen before along with, you know, the first loop. And then the third loop, uh, Dave, you know, Cole threw down the gauntlet and told me, you know, because he heard through the grapevine that uh, some of the top guys were saying there's nothing in Hudson Valley we can't make it up. <laughs> and uh, so me and him were chatting about it one night and uh, he threw down the gauntlet and said, if you make the course go there and you think it's safe and it, it's actually, you know, it will actually be doable. I'll put a camera there. So <laughs> I'm not going to give out where that yeah. is. Say anybody's here, hey, but uh, helicopters make, I'll tell you later. Easy. And yeah. it's, well, I don't know. What if I decide, yeah, what yeah. if I get cocky and decide I'm going to at least try? <laughs> I'm totally open for it. The 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 problem, in all honesty, the the the, I mean, I want to I want to I want to go race, but I get pissed off at myself. Well, most of the time when I go race, I kind of I kind of uh, I kind of can say, okay, I'm not really racing, and I don't try. But then you forget, I forget that, and then I start doing what I shouldn't, you know, it's, and then, and then after, <laughs> then I, then I run out of energy. Then I start making mistakes and then I'm pissed off at my performance and I'm no longer, I, I, I was, went out there to have a good time and be happy. And then, oh, I can, I can look back and laugh at it, but I'm not a very happy person at the end of the day. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a, it's a rough go, but anyways, Hey, if you want to learn a little bit about extreme enduro, uh, Justin's king of the, uh, king of the motos event out at Johnson Valley on December 15, 16th, 17th, 15, 16th, 16th, 17th, 16th, 17th. It's uh, yep. On uh Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. So you, if you want to go, it's free um, for any, for anybody. So you can come and see maybe some of the, some of the good top riders are coming out. Do you know? Uh, I haven't looked at the registration list yet. And I know the guys are uh, flying back and forth, racing the uh, super enduros. And, right. And uh, the World Hard Enduro Series is starting up, and so I'm not sure with being the weekend before Christmas and everything where everybody's schedule is going to be. But I know that uh, we're going to be there, and we're going to have a good time. And, yeah, come and, out, uh, uh, teach some guys yeah. about learn learn how they use the GPS. So. Uh, you can come to my class and learn how to ride, uh, or at least get a get. You know, I'll give you stuff to practice. Uh, you'll learn how to ride after you practice it, and then uh, we can, uh, yeah. Hopefully you get a great and and the and, and congratulations because we used to struggle to get what was our when I was doing it, I think we got like eighty entries or something like that it was a big was our big year and you're up over a hundred. Yeah, last year was really exciting. We also joined forces with the U.S. Hard Enduro Series as their kickoff premier round, which there's uh, six rounds that are premier in the United States. It's you know heading towards that national championship uh, status, and uh, so we kicked that off last year and. And we had 170 riders uh, come and enter to race. And, and uh, I had 60-some finish laps on Sunday, which, as you know, is uh, irritating to us. But uh, <laughs> this year, I'm aiming to have a few less finish the whole race. Right. But nevertheless, everybody had fun. And, and uh, you know, they used to give me all the compliments that I used to give you when uh, when it, it was too hard. Oh, so. right. So, so you mean their, their mom came up and talked to you and talked to you about how that you wrecked their whole career and that no sponsors are going to be coming back to your event. Uh, and, and that, and that we could have damaged their child's, uh, professional motorcycling career. 
<laughs> ever happened? No. Um, uh, I neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Like the life of a race promoter is not what you think, and especially like I, because I know you're a little bit like me, and that you're not just there, you know, for the money, just trying to put money in in backpacks and satchels and just take off. Um, you're there because you want to put on the event that you want to ride, and and making it good. And by golly, if you don't hear the nine people that give you the compliments and tell you what a bitch an event it is. But that one person that comes and tells you how you ruined their kid's career <laughs> because, <laughs> because he's going to not going to get a factory ride because your course was this, or you put a checkpoint here and they missed it and whatever. Um, but let me, let me give you some promoter advice, Justin. I don't like to, I don't like to give this out. I mean, like two people watch this show, but I I'll say it anyways. Um, when somebody ever comes up to me and they 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 say, "Hey, hey, Jimmy, you know, um, uh, I I was thinking, you know, you should you should take your start and it should you should move it over here like this." And I go, "Hmm." I go, I always say, you know, that's a great idea, but you should do it at your event. <laughs> that's yeah. all, that's all you say. <laughs> it's a great idea. You should do it at your event, and you'll be amazed at the looks that you get back. That either you completely confused them. Or you're the biggest asshole I've ever talking spoken to ever. Can't believe you said that to me, because you just sh shut them <laughs> right down. So just remember that. So when I come up and tell you, just now is a great race, but just say, Jimmy, when you when you start putting this race back on, you 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 should do that. <laughs> so anyhow, okay. Well, hey, Justin, thanks a lot. December fifteenth, sixteenth, Johnson Valley. I'm gonna be there. Justin's gonna be there. Lots of cool people are gonna be there. Shit, we should do a Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. After the dinner, after the campfire, after had a couple couple sodas in us, tell us every, tell tell oh, yeah. what we really think. Yeah, maybe we'll record a live one out there. Yeah, Saturday night. I think I think we, we can make that happen we, Saturday night. Can, that sounds like a blast. Yeah, we well shit. Dave has enough. There's enough bandwidths out there to do this kind of thing. Uh, I can, I got it. That'll just encourage me to get my mobile set up up and running. But yeah, we can do that, and then uh, and then people can come and uh, join the show live. So yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Cool. We can tell stories about race promoter life. <laughs> so <laughs> it depends on many sodas. We may not want to tell all those stories. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh everybody, thank you, Justin. We will uh we'll see you out in the trail. All right, awesome. Thank okay. you. See, see you soon. You. Right bye. Bye. I was Justin Lina. We were everybody. And if you don't know, if you if you need cams for your Harley flathead, uh check out Lina Weber for uh those as well his his dad was legendary especially with the guys that are you know trying to set land speed records on those old harleys and and making them run and stuff uh what a what a cool guy got a couple things gronk uh says can equilibrium very underrated in the tire yeah i know this uh, i still run them i actually run them a lot of times when i go down to baja and i'm going to do a peninsula run i put it on there because i just know and that it's going to, it's just going to work good kind of everywhere. And it, it doesn't throw knobs. <coughs> um, and then, uh, um, yeah. And then, uh, Ashley says, is King of the Hammers actually going to pick up more of their trash this year? The question mark volunteer group shouldn't be cleaning up after an event of that size. Well, the funny thing is, is, is I know a little bit about this having worked on the, on the event is, uh, they 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 actually the volunteer groups go out there, but Dave donates substantial sums of money to them uh, uh, for their efforts to do that. Because trust me, 
you need a lot of people to pick up a lot of trash from a lot of the ding-dongs that go out there. And it's not King of the Hammer staff or what we'll call core off-roaders. These are just the ding-dongs that go out there, and they're these are the same people that would dump trash anywhere. Uh, it's just like people saying, look at the shooting areas. Look at how crappy that area is. Those aren't the core shooters. Those are the ding-dongs that go out. Those ding-dongs, they shoot guns. They ride dirt bikes. Well, usually ATVs and UTVs too. Um, I like to call them retard chariots sometimes. Uh, but yeah, people dump trash and Dave does the best he can. He uses the volunteer groups and he donates to them. I know this. So, uh, and so they're, they're, they're doing it. And believe it or not, some of these people, just like you like riding your dirt bike, they like picking up trash. It makes them feel good about what they do. Um, so I, I know this cause I've been out there when they're, when they're doing it. Um, yeah. And, uh, it, it is. Yeah. So, so Justin commented, he says, thanks for having me on the show. Dave leaves it cleaner than he finds it. And by Dave, he means the King of the Hammers, uh, group. And the stuff, and I, most of the people I know that are core off-roaders, when they're up at Chocolate Thunder, they're at Backdoor, and everybody's drinking beer and throwing cans in the ground. These guys are picking up 10 extra cans than they brought in with them. And I know because I'm that guy. I do that as well. I pick up trash out here in the dry lake bed. After every 4th of July, after every New Year's, I come back with more than two or three full truckloads of fireworks crap. These aren't off-roaders that are doing it. They're probably not even fireworks enthusiasts. They're just the ding-dongs that like to throw trash on the ground. Um, maybe they're Chinese. No, I just I shouldn't have said that, Victor. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, and Justin lives across the street from that place. That's his playground. That's our playground. We don't we don't like this. So uh, Dave does what he can. I mean, he, he provides a lot of entertainment, and a lot of ding-dongs come out for the entertainment, and... And you, that's, that's what you get. If you start bringing a lot of people in there, you're going to get the bad apples. I'll fight with them. Uh, I'll fight with you all the time on that one. I, 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 cause I've seen it in so many different groups. I'm, I'm part of a lot of different communities and, uh, even out here and, and where I live out here in Pahrump Valley of the dirt people, we have a cleanup Pahrump group and I've gone out and worked with them. And these people are actually passionate about picking up trash. It's like their hobby. <laughs> they, they like doing it and it's cool. I I don't think we need people to support their bad habit by throwing trash or driving something out in the desert to, to dump it. But it's good that we have people like this um, out there doing this kind of stuff. Okay. So back to the questions. I should have had Justin hang on for questions. He's a, he's a really good mechanic as well. Uh, but JDM 1200 says happy Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, Okay, a couple days late, but that's uh, that's good. I I wish I could have said that and then read the answer to Asherlito's question. So, um, but I couldn't help Asherlito. He seemed like he managed himself. Uh, and then hopeless droid, who by the way is a gamer who has videos of himself playing games on the thing, says always get the R or the RX. He posted that on a video of us testing uh, the Honda 450 CR450X. And I don't know. Okay, thank you. I, I always wonder, because I wonder if I would actually make that comment. <laughs> uh, who knows? Um, 
Okay, what's going on with my stream settings? The things aren't uh, popping into the chat. Not really sure why, but we'll see how this uh, this works. Ollie Christopher 467 says, I'm 5'9 with a 30-inch inseam. I would never consider lowering a bike. Okay, 5'9, 30-inch inseam. So that's really close to me. Oh, here we go. Your class really taught me the importance of slow speed balance and stopping to regroup when needed. Hell, I even watched you stop and regroup on that rock hop at the end of the class. So obviously when he means like stop and regroup, it's like I was getting ready to do something and it, it wasn't right. So I stopped, I didn't go, I didn't send it. Um, and so at that point, if you before it gets too bad, you have the opportunity. Your bike's going to tell you which side you're out of balance. You can put that foot down, and at five nine, you can easily do it. And so, I think he's responding to one of the videos where we had somebody that was that size, also saying, "How can you talk about that's like seat heights are too high?" Blah blah blah. Right. Um, I hear it all the time. Seat heights are are actually too low, especially on adventure bikes, because they want you to go to the showroom and feel comfortable putting your feet on the ground. Go get a Harley. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I missed the stream. No Bible study. Ashley, again, thanks for all the comments, buddy. Those comments really do help us in the, uh, in the thing. And I'm kind of curious for the people that are still up there, the late streamers. Uh, where's everybody from? Where are we watching this from? Because I, I I think I've pissed off all the Canadians and Australians, so we we got rid of those guys. So we you know you get get into the conversation. I'm pretty sure now we've done the the Chinese and Victor. Give me a few minutes. I'll get to you Mexicans. Uh, Victor, everybody, <laughs> I helped him. I helped him not go to jail this weekend because he called me up for some counseling or texted me up for some counseling before he was going to go take care of it. We'll call it Mexican style. Uh, he found one of his, a bike that was stolen from him uh, not too long ago. He found this bike that was his. He even got the serial number, so he made sure it was his, and he was going to go take care of it. And he managed to do the right thing and um, notify the police before he went and took care of it, and he ended up getting his bike back. And he would have taken care of the wrong guy because that guy bought it from another guy. You know how the story goes. So uh, don't buy bikes without pink slips. Texas and Washington, Tejas, <laughs> Tejas in Washington state, <laughs> Mike from Tejas, that could be Mexico. <laughs> Let's see. Um, well, yeah, Asher, we know you're in Northern Idaho. I don't know why I keep thinking you're from Texas. Isn't Northern Idaho, isn't Northern, isn't, aren't you guys kind of like a different, different up there, like a real survivalist and don't pay your taxes and stuff? Speaking of my problems, <laughs> overpay the taxes. Um, and then uh, O Sark, O Ocar Schneider, Ocar Schneider, twenty three forty one says, "Okay." And this comment is brought to you by Yamaha. Yamaha uh, Blue Crew just. It, check out like these guys pioneered the tuning with the app that you can get for your YZ and your FX. You just use your phone and you get any kind of power band you want. And I'm going to talk more about this in a second, but uh, Osar Schneider, 
Okar Schneider says, uh, DBT, always KTM fanboys. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I always KTM fanboys. Just because the show sponsored by Yamaha, I I made the mistake of picking the KTM 500 as the the bike of the year. I, I was just trying to get KTM back on to advertise because we want to be shills for our sponsors. You know this. Uh, Beta can advertise it anytime soon, and you'll know why I said that comment in a few weeks. I think I don't know. I heard some I heard some rumblings from the test crew about stuff. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. But always KTM fanboys. Thank 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 you for the comment. And then uh, J Stone sixty six nineteen, great video. What track is this? Thanks. Well, if it's a track, and Trevor made the video, ninety nine percent Glen Helen. That's just saying. Trevor is like a is like a magnet drawn to Glen Helen. Uh oh, American Kiwis in New Zealand. And then he says, Jimmy for president. <laughs> Ogden, Utah, Riverside. Uh, oh, no. Uh, Victor thanked the Riverside Sheriff's Department. <laughs> uh, Johnson Valley. That'd be Justin Lineweber. And then uh, he's, Asher Lito says, people just don't want government-maintained roads up here. That's it, huh? Because <laughs> then they can't. Then the government can't come and get you to pay your taxes. John Beck, thankful for authoritative voice about simple desert cleanup. An issue that should seem obvious, but doesn't seem to be. Yeah, John Beck. Uh, thank you, John. I appreciate that. John, an awesome uh, uh, photographer, videographer. I've worked with John. John actually shot one of the one of my favorite photos of our original King of the Moto start. I don't know how he ended up out at Johnson Valley, but he shot it in black and white on film, and I have it hanging in um, in our schoolhouse over here. It's a really cool shot of and I. I'm pretty sure it was the first year. I don't remember, but what a pretty, uh, pretty cool thing. Uh, Carlos, 350 four-stroke or 300 two-stroke for technical. Well, Carlos, depends on how technical you're going, but the more technical, the more the 300 makes sense, and especially the fuel-injected 300s that just run super, super smooth. Uh, they, they're just easier to get traction with. Uh Although Gronk says a 254 stroke is what he's saying, but he should be saying Husaberg, bro. I thought we were I thought we were buddies on that, Gronk. <laughs> I can't remember what his original question was that got him into the stream. But uh yeah, diverse audience out there. It's good to good to see everybody uh listening in. Um oh I know what I was gonna talk about. So uh Triumph today uh released a lot more information on their 250, their 250 motocross bike. And they they basically they didn't get too deep, but I tell you what I saw when I looked at it. So I've always noticed that the frame was kind of a little bit like the old uh, Yamaha frame. And the only reason I say this is because Yamaha is a sponsor. I'm just again shield of the sponsors, but Yamaha uh, pioneering uh, the 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 original kind of single down tube uh, aluminum frame. So like very similar. In, a, in certain ways to the frame on the YZ125 and YZ252 stroke, except it looks like the Triumph kind of splits off of that single backbone a little bit earlier. It's not like a twin spar. And I really do think that there's something to that. And when you combine that with Dave Arnold uh, working on the chassis development, Dave Arnold is from back in the Honda HRC days and has worked for a lot of the different manufacturers and one of the sharpest guys in the business. And I, when I hear people talk about 
them getting the right people into uh, the development of that. Dave is key to that because I think what his specialty was, was be able to listen to riders that, that knew that could feel stuff. And even if they couldn't feel stuff, they could say the bike's doing this or the bike's doing that. They didn't actually feel it. They just said bike did this and he would know where to push it back. And 254 stroke is actually going to be pretty easy to get a good handling bike. Uh, the, the trick is going to be getting the power. So this will be interesting to see where Triumph comes up with this. But what does Triumph have? Um, of course, a big throttle body. I saw they gave they gave some specs on that. But they also have a tuning app. So they have, they didn't show much of what it would do, but they got, they got, looks like really easy to use buttons for traction control, launch control, and different maps. Uh, and they had an app. Thanks, Yamaha. Thanks, Yamaha, for bringing the free app to the, uh, to the, to the motocross and off-road world. Cause I, I, that is the best thing. And I actually picked Yamaha's as shootout winners in, in when we did comparisons and stuff for the sole reason that I could actually, the, the suspend, everything was really good on the Yamaha. And if the motor was a little bit off, I could turn the motor into anything else. And this is why I say, check out the uh, YZ power tuner app. Uh, probably the best thing that comes for free with your YZ. In fact, you don't even have to buy a YZ and guess what? Now Kawasaki has it. Kawasaki has one. Uh, you haven't played with it too much. Just saw how it worked at the track. Uh, looks like triumph is having one. Uh, these are going to become normal and as on competition bikes. And it's, it's really awesome. So I follow. If you can burp says, Hey man, hold on. Well, give me a second. Ah, I can cough. I don't think you're going to get a burp out of me. That's gross. Asherlito, YZ125s are cheaper used in my area than the YZ125X. I plan on doing mostly 75, 25 single track MX. Can I get by on a YZ125 or is a YZ125X that much better off-road? So the answer is yes, you can get by on a on a YZ125. The, the, the thing about the X, and I know on the 250, it's really, really noticeable. Uh, but the, the way that the power valve ramp inside of the, the way that the power valve ramps up is different on the X versus the, the normal YZ250. I don't know if that's the same on the YZ125. I think there's a longer muffler and some other stuff, but I think the YZ125, you're still going to be running it pretty hard and wide open. I do remember I liked it and I, I had no problem riding the YZ125X around the motocross track. But it sort of gets into this thing where I think the suspension may actually be the biggest difference between those two bikes on the 125. And I was kind of on a on a smoother, jumpy track, and I thought it was going to be a lot worse, but it really wasn't that bad, where a lot of times the X models tend to, on jumpy tracks, tend to use too much of the stroke. But uh, Yamaha's got good suspension, so... Uh, that's, uh, that's good. Power valve ramp is slower on the YZ125. And that's a really easy thing to change. If you decide that, Hey, I want that. I want that type of power character. You could just buy that part and, and put it in there. Um, oh yeah. Gronk is the KTM RFS lover. Uh, hear me out. 525 motor and a core four cove 450 rally chassis. Am I right? Uh, no, you, you, you need to have a Husaberg motor in that chassis. And then the good thing about if you did that, if you had a really older Husaberg motor has a lot of power, it'd probably blow up. And then you could just hang out and tell everybody how 
bitching you where you wouldn't even have to ride anymore. Kind of like uh, what I've been doing lately. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. Well, hey, everybody. I think it's been a successful show. I'd like to pat myself on the back, but oh, my shoulders have kind of been going out a little bit. I need to ride more to get the stretching in. I was going to start doing yoga. Uh, I thought that would be that would be good for me, but I realized that I actually, when because yoga is, is your own thing, I actually realized that when I'm on my bike, I'm doing yoga. It calms my mind and uh, makes things better. Hey, um, I also had a note about like I heard and I and I kind of started seeing the conspiracy theories. So uh, one of the one of the things that hit the news was Taddy Blazuziak, who KTM Extreme Enduro rider uh, back in the day, famously was was came on. He was showed up on a junkie gas gas oh, that sounds familiar uh, at uh, at Erzberg and was beating everybody and basically got a KTM factory ride in a day, came over to here, started killing it in the extreme enduro or not the extreme enduro, the enduro cross series, uh, you know, started beating up on David Knight, who was the guy and, and had a really successful extreme enduro thing. He left, he was on gas gas for a little while. He left a couple weeks ago and bang pops up on the Stark Varg was going to ride the, uh, the extreme world enduro, uh, the, the extreme super enduro is what it's called. So it's the it's the enduro cross of Europe is a is the super enduro. And now they said he's banned. <laughs> so, um, but again, this is an FIM sanctioned event. There aren't the rules just right now. We've started to see it in some of the smaller supercross races, the 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 national supercross races in some of the other countries, uh, some of these sort of arena cross slash supercross races. We're seeing these bikes pop up, and they're the, the organizations are letting them run. Uh, of course, the Japanese MX made an exemption exemption for for Trey Kennard, and he was going to do the the super enduros on the Stark, and that didn't happen. And now you hear all the conspiracy theories. But, but what is happening? And I've always said this: it's coming. I don't care who's making or whatever. It is coming. When you see the big manufacturers, the Hondas and the KTM's, start producing this stuff, then it will almost be here. But right now, Stark. They made big, bold claims, and I jumped on them when they made big, bold claims. I say, I'll believe it when I wrote it, write it. Well, guess what? I haven't written it, so I can't believe it yet. But I do believe – I actually try. I was going to try to get a friend of mine who's ridden one on here. I had Jeff Fredette on here who rode one. He talked about it a little bit, I think, on one of our earlier shows. I had a, had a little segment with him. He was very impressed, and he's, you know, he's a KDX 200 guy. Um, not hard to impress with power, but guess what? He was impressed with the power. Everybody that's ridden it, nobody has complained about the power on that thing. I just haven't heard anybody give a real accurate assessment of, they haven't explained how it works just yet. Like what, what you're really, what you're really feeling. I, I've heard a lot of these guys ride it and say, yeah, I can ride it hard. And, but did they really ride it hard and whatnot? So it'll be interesting. Uh, they're going to be different and it's, it's coming. But uh, when you start, when you start trying to race, different things you know that 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 have different characteristics there's going to be big advantages and big disadvantages in both sides of the, the thing and it's just how does that work so uh we'll see we'll see what happens um jason abbott another guy i i really uh appreciate uh stuff 
He <laughs> he wrote one last week and he says impressive and he says I have feedback. And he would know. He's got some he's got actually probably more electric experience than he can talk about. <laughs> I would I would think. So uh awesome. Maybe we'll get you on the show next week, Jason. Um we'll see how everything everything lines up. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get Captain Larry's safety segment back on to a Tech Talk Taco Tuesday. Uh, he was he was being pretty safe <laughs> and not wanting to come on the show, but uh, that that could happen next week. Uh, again, I have a class this weekend. If you want to become a better rider, uh, show up because I tell you what, this is a pitch for my class. Uh, I found out that a good coach empowers you to move on. So I want you to come to my school and I want you to learn some stuff and I never want to see you again. You want to come here, you're paying me a lot of money to be nice to you. I'll teach you how to ride a dirt bike and then you're going to move on and become a better rider. So with that, everybody, I will say I'd love to see you on next week's show. Comment, subscribe, like, uh, get ready for the t-shirt order forms to go up on dirt bike tests, uh, some sort of social media page or something. I don't even know. And, uh, Have a happy Thanksgiving last week. I hope you did. Cheers. We'll see you out on the trail. Now I got to find the thing that makes this show go away. How about that? That didn't work. How about that? Cheers. If you liked what you saw in this video, come check us out over at dirtbiketest.com on the webs. We have bike tests, product tests, a lot of fresh dirt, And you can even support us by clicking through our links. Hopefully we'll see you out in the trail.